I'm Madeline Jane Abel, and this is Window Dressing, Glamour Girl Next Door, MGM to Playboy. This week is the season finale episode all about Holly Madison and Playboy. Holly Madison is best known for her role as Hugh Hefner's number one girlfriend on the 2005 E! reality television show, The Girls Next Door. I refer to being a girlfriend as a role because being Hugh Hefner's girlfriend is a role, regardless of if there are cameras rolling. The whole thing is an act crafted by Hefner's own hand. Holly took those cues and turned herself into a flaxen-haired housewife. She went from innocent young girl to Hef's ideal seemingly instantaneously. But Holly's transformation into Playboy's perfect pinup happened long before E! started filming the show. That kind of Stepford star-making had been going on in the Playboy Mansion for decades, just with different girls, but surprisingly stable beauty standards for them to live up to. After leaving Hugh Hefner and the girls next door, Holly landed the lead role in Peep Show, a burlesque-style review at the Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, and her own reality show called Holly's World. Post-Mansion, Holly wrote a book about her time with Playboy called Down the Rabbit Hole, Curious Adventures and Cautionary Tales of a Former Playboy Bunny. It came out to positive reviews and a lot of backlash from Playboy in 2015. Her second book, called The Vegas Diaries, came out the following year. Both hit the New York Times bestseller list. The backlash Holly got from Hugh Hefner and Playboy is not surprising. There was another book written about Playboy a decade earlier in 2005 called Playground, A Childhood Lost Inside the Playboy Mansion. It was written by Jennifer Sagnor, whose father, Mark Sagnor, was Hugh Hefner's private doctor. Jennifer's book suffered under heavy attacks from Playboy and Hugh Hefner specifically. She was careful to tread lightly in her book when writing about Hugh Hefner, but apparently not lightly enough. Her book was later used to create the 2022 A&E documentary series entitled The Secrets of Playboy, which is now in its second season. Holly is featured prominently on the series and speaks candidly about her experiences. She talks about many of the same things in her books, but within the greater context of the secrets of Playboy, and with the advantage of being in real time, I think we get an incredibly valuable glimpse into her thought process then and now. The most interesting thing about Holly Madison, and quite frankly my reason for featuring her on the season finale, is her reverence for history and her ability to appreciate something while still looking at it clear-eyed. She does this with Playboy. I think she is the key bearer for the legacy of Playboy that is worth preserving, specifically because she has played such an honest role in telling the truths about the brand and Hugh Hefner. Holly Madison is the executive producer on the current investigative discovery series called The Playboy Murders. She has an active investment in Playboy's history, the good, the bad, and the murder. She is featured on every episode, giving much-needed historical context and brand background. She really knows the history of the brand and the stories of the women from every generation that were associated with it. 
Another important thing that Holly understands is the motivations of the girls and women who have posed in Playboy. You would be surprised how many people blame women for their choices from posing in Playboy to boob jobs to bleached hair. All of these decisions can give you power, but it also pegs you as trash, dismissible, and dumb in the eyes of much of the general public. Holly understands the double-edged sword of idealized womanhood. She is clear-eyed enough to see that she and others should not be dismissed for their appearance, but also recognizes the pressures she succumbed to against her will, specifically during her time living in the mansion. The Girls Next Door aired in reality television's infancy. The Real World and the Road Rules of MTV were the decade prior to the 2005 E! Entertainment television show, but reality TV was still the Wild West. There were few rules and no holds bar on the ways in which these shows were crafted, shot, and compensated. Holly, Kendra, and Bridget, Hugh Hefner's three girlfriends at the time of production, were not compensated for the first season of the show. They were told that if they wanted to live at the mansion, this was part of the deal. Eventually, contracts were negotiated, which at least Bridget and Holly have expressed after the fact that they felt they were forced to sign under duress. They did make some money at the end of the day, but by no means were they fairly compensated for their appearance on the show or their first Playboy pictorial and cover. There is also the issue of the DVD version of the show. The show initially shot to be aired on cable television was not intended to show nudity. The camera crews were around nudity, they shot nudity, but they had to black it out for the decorum required of television. Later, Playboy released the uncut version of the show on DVD that featured all the nude scenes that the girls and other women who were there for parties, test shoots, or even centerfold shoots had done. No warning, no repercussions, just exploitation. The Girls Next Door is basically a look into mansion life, but from the perspective of the girls that live and work there as Hugh Hefner's girlfriends. It has a bit of an upstairs-downstairs vibe, too, with special attention being paid to the staff and the logistics of running the house and grounds. It's a peek inside the world that has been so carefully crafting a spot in our imagination since Playboy made a name for itself in the 1960s. The show is sold as silly. It's a let's make fun of, and most importantly, gawk at, these one-dimensional women that fuck an old guy. But what E and Hugh Hefner did not expect was the wild popularity of the girls with other women and girls in the viewing audience. Holly, Bridget, and Kendra became stars, stars that I think eclipsed Hef. Regardless of the exploitive nature of the show, it ended up launching all three women's careers and giving them an out of the mansion. Holly Madison was Hugh Hefner's number one girl. You will notice the language number one girl is both quaint like a 50s television show and disgusting like that of a pimp talking about his prostitute. Both areas of culture bleed all over Hugh Hefner's ideology. Holly was a fresh-faced beauty with bleach blonde hair, the kind that was the preference of Hef during this era, a day-glow blonde that had the sheen of plastic. I, for one, 
loved the kitsch plastic shine on blonde hair, but Holly herself said she hated it and the upkeep was brutal. Her hair is now a toned down but still bright blonde that suits the more elegant brand of beauty she grew into. I am hesitant to describe the girls' bodies, but it really matters in the context of understanding the beauty standards within the mansion and within culture at large. It is also relevant to mention the reality of what the girls valued about their own appearance pre, during, and post-mansion. It gets at what women value privately and publicly about beauty. Holly had a nose job and a boob job. The nose job she had done at the mansion. The breast augmentation prior, her association with Playboy. According to Holly, she was told over and over again by Hef that she was not photogenic. So I'm certain that made her feel lesser than the other girls whose whole purpose at Playboy was to be photographed. Regardless, the nose and breast look fantastic and natural on her, and she kept both post-mansion. Holly was very thin, but had a womanly figure. I think the lack of fat was a requirement for Hef. Actually, I know it was. Even too hippie, naturally, was a turnoff to him. Sticks with tits is the old saying when describing Hugh Hefner's type. Holly looks remarkably similar to her mansion self now, just more herself and less a prop for an aging prophet. Bridget Marcourt was in the number two slot of Hugh Hefner's girlfriends on The Girl Next Door. She had been at the mansion the second to longest when compared to Holly and Kendra. She came in with a bachelor's degree and completed her master's degree in communications while filming the show. She is bubbly with a sweet-as-pie personality. I honestly think Bridget is one of the most charming and warm people I have ever viewed on television. The sound of her voice, even now, is a comfort to me. During the filming of the show, she had honeyed blonde hair that somehow escaped the fry job that Hef required of his girls at the time. She also famously has natural breasts. She had a thin, well-crafted frame as well, with a few more curves than the other girls given that her breasts were real. Nowadays, Bridget looks great. Ironically, her hair is much blonder than it was in her mansion days, but her whole person is more her own and less the property of Playboy. Bridget and Holly's friendship was real, not put on for the cameras in any way, and in fact, has stood the test of time. Nearly 20 years later, Holly and Bridget are still best friends and have a podcast together called Girls Next Level. It is a rewatch podcast of the original seasons of Girls Next Door. I highly recommend listening to it for a deep dive into what was going on for them during the filming of this iconic reality television show. Kendra Wilkinson was the youngest girlfriend at age 20 when the show was filming. She came to the mansion when she was 18 years old. She had her 21st birthday on television. She was the token tomboy to Holly's classic 1950s housewife and Bridget's co-ed branded intellectual type. Kendra was the epitome of tits on a stick, which I have to say is a grotesque turn of phrase, but it is important to continue to use it because it was literally how Hugh Hefner's friends described his type. 
I think it speaks volumes. Kendra had, I am unsure of her current status, a boob job and little to nothing else. She was very thin and athletic, crass in personality, but overflowing with moldable naivety. Kendra was the cool girl as originally defined. She drinks beer, eats pizza, and watches porn. I don't know how much of that is authentic to her or how much is just a different version of standards set to please men. I don't know that much about Kendra because that particular brand of pleasing a man through traditionally masculine behavior is abhorrent to me. That is not to say that women can't authentically like what they like and do what they want to do, but I am much more aligned with the Holly Madison brand of romanticizing all things femme, even at my own peril. Kendra played an important role on the show, though. She represented what Hef wanted around him, dumb girls he could control, rear, and fuck. I'm not saying that Kendra is dumb. I know that she is not. But that level of youthful naivety is only there so he can steal it and use it. I always got the sense that Holly and Bridget were playing dumb. Kendra, I think, actually was not fully formed. Again, that isn't an insult to her, but a side effect of youth. I also want to be clear that Bridget and Holly were also manipulated, used, and not fully themselves in this situation either. It just reads differently as an adult woman watching Kendra versus Bridget or Holly. For me, and why this episode is about Holly and not Bridget or Kendra, is because Holly is the most relatable. She is also the woman who has the most complicated relationship to Playboy. I said earlier that she is the torchbearer for the brand in my eye, and I think it's appropriate that we spend some time giving her the credit that the world has attributed to the brand the last 50 plus years. The first half of season one of The Girls Next Door is primarily exposition about the Playboy world, the mansion, and what the role of Hef's girlfriends entails. For any of you who don't know, being a girlfriend is basically a room and board position where you act as a promoter for Hugh Hefner personally and the brand more broadly. It is not that different than what Playmates do for Playboy after they appear in publication. It's a lot of promotion and appearances. The only difference is the lock and key the girlfriends are under, literally. The 9 p.m. curfew, along with the rules around outside dating, and the set schedule of activities for the week, making residing at the mansion a cross between being pimped and being institutionalized. The show makes an effort to explain the motivations behind each girl's presence through hollow character descriptions. For example, Holly is painted as and plays into the perfect and dutiful girlfriend role. She desperately wants to get married and for Hef to give up the multiple girlfriend bit that has become a part of his brand as Playboy. Kendra says Hef, quote, saved her life by taking her in and believing in her. Bridget dreamed of being a playmate, but didn't make the magazine, so opted for the next best thing, to be a girlfriend. All of the character descriptions slash assassinations are roles given to the girls by virtue of their situation and played dutifully by each of them because that is what women do. They play the role that is required of them for survival. 
The first episode I want to talk about is an example of Holly's keen awareness of the role she's meant to play and her bubbling anger at the stifling nature of it. I grew up in Chicago as a runaway, and when I finally reached a stable financial situation, I rented an apartment near Lakeshore Drive. My property management company was inside Playboy headquarters. That is where I paid my rent. I was still a teenager then, maybe 16, and I remember seeing the bunny emblem on the door and being completely wooed by it. The power of that brand, even when you are looking at it with clear eyes, was earth-shaking. The girls in Huff go to the original mansion, now a private resident not owned by Playboy, to ogle at it from the outside. The show splices in old photos of the interior back in its heyday, along with the footage of the group loitering outside the property. Holly is a keen observer of history, and you can tell that her reverence for, and respect of, the women that built that brand is overflowing. She listens and looks with apt attention. She is wearing a quintessential Holly look, a pastel argyle sweater, silver sequined miniskirt, knee-high white schoolgirl socks, stiletto loafers, and a pale pink handbag with matching pom-pom attached. Her hair is a mop of white blonde plastic-looking hair that pairs perfectly with the sequined schoolgirl look she perfected. The thing about Holly that this outfit and scene so perfectly portray is her joy at cosplaying perfection. She's literally wearing argyle with sequins. This is a big fuck you to anyone that thinks she's taking herself too seriously. She is the Disney princess of Playboy. She both loves and pokes fun at the role she inhabits. She isn't pretending exactly, but she isn't what Hugh Hefner thinks she is, and she isn't what the majority of the viewing audience thinks she is either. She is the embodiment of participatory commentary. Later in the episode, this point is emphasized in a confessional interview scene where she is talking about the potential for jealousy as Hugh Hefner's number one girl. Holly is narrating playback of video taken at a dinner the girls and Hef had in Chicago. In the shot, there is a table with a group of women who are trying to get Hef's attention. He finally goes over to the table of women and takes pictures with them as they joke that, quote, Daddy is in town. Holly's response to seeing this footage is, quote, I don't get jealous of other girls because I was raised in a cloning lab to be the perfect woman for Hugh M. Hefner. So other than the fact that my IQ is probably a little higher than he would like, I have nothing to worry about. She says all of this while wearing a baby blue cropped cardigan with mirrored detailing and shiny round buttons, bleach blonde locks, and doe eyes. This bitch is a fucking badass. Holly knows exactly who she is. She may have been stuck in a fucked up relationship where she was forced to be publicly humiliated for the sake of America's most famous brand, but she also reinvigorated Playboy and ushered in an era of accountability. 
Who among us hasn't wasted years of our lives playing a role that we identify with partly, but denies the totality of our person? This is almost a direct definition of relationships as a young woman. It is certainly the business model of Playboy, and by extension, the fantasies of men's ideals, ideals that ultimately inform their expectations of women. This truth makes Holly a representational figure of all hyper-femme females in America. I, for one, think that archetype, the one that has been blamed for men's behavior and vilified for hurting women, deserves closer inspection and a lot of defense. Holly is not dumb. Her willingness to play a part makes her human, not a villain. Men, specifically Hugh Hefner's propensity to use, abuse, and belittle women makes him a monster, not her. Stop blaming women for playing along to a game they didn't even create. The title of Season 2, Episode 14, is Rabbit Season, a fun play on words comparing hunting defenseless creatures with the bunny hunt for the Playboy Club at the Palms in Las Vegas. The premise of the episode is that Holly, Bridget, and Kendra are helping judge the cattle call of girls hoping to work as servers and hostesses at the soon-to-be-opening Playboy Club in Vegas. The auditions slash interviews are taking place in Los Angeles at the mansion. About 300 young girls showed up in their skimpiest of outfits for the opportunity to work in the club. The history of the Playboy Clubs is the stuff of sexual revolution slash chauvinist hiding under the protection of the revolution legend. Many girls benefited from being bunnies. A bunny is not a centerfold or a playmate. She is her own distinct thing, specifically an employee at a Playboy Club. The first Playboy Club opened in 1960, and eventually the members-only clubs spread across the country and then died out in the late 1980s. The Palms Playboy Club opened in October of 2006, and as the first new club in a long time, it was a very big deal. It was the revival of a long tradition that is a mixed bag to say the least. Many women gained an unheard of amount of autonomy working in the clubs in the 1960s and the 1970s. They were protected, or at least they were under the illusion of protection by Playboy and were able to earn their own living outside of the typical acceptable roles of wife or secretary. There is a lot of well-earned pride associated with being a bunny and that pride extended to the bunny suits. The original bunny suits were designed by Zelda Valdez, who Hugh Hefner personally commissioned to bring his vision to life. The bunny suits and the girls were under intense scrutiny. The girls were weighed in monthly and were not allowed to alter their costumes in any way. If they didn't fit their suit or they didn't meet a written roll call of visual standards at each shift, they were sent home or fired. Anyone out there who has worked as a cocktail waitress or at a strip club won't be shocked by any of this. Playboy clubs were just a private version of the corset and miniskirt uniform many of us have donned while slinging drinks. For the Palms Playboy Club, the bunny suits were redesigned by Roberto Cavalli to reflect an updated version of the classic ensemble. 
and I have to say they are stunning. I will post a picture of Holly Madison wearing one of the black suit designs on the podcast's Instagram page. In the episode Rabbit Season, Holly wants to wear a hot pink version of the new suits that she had made for herself. The suit is not the official black bunny suit that the girls will wear. Hef will not let her wear the suit. You can tell that Holly is heartbroken. She genuinely has reverence for the history of Playboy, the bunny suit, and her place in the brand's empire. But the control Hugh Hefner needs to exert over the image of his girlfriends, the brand, and the suit itself will not allow for joy in the heart of his number one girl. It's threatening to him. Holly puts the stunning hot pink suit on anyways, and she stuffs the bust with tube socks creating over-the-top cleavage on her already large breasts. She wears hot pink heels and black tights, and she looks equal parts old bunny glamour and new Holly hot. In an interview section of the show, she is commenting on her choice to put on the suit against Hef's wishes, and she says by way of explanation, quote, I just put it on because I know I look good in it. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it. I started this season with a two-part episode called Adrian, 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 about MGM's premier costumer in the 1930s. One of the films I talk about in that episode is the 1930 Greta Garbo film Anna Christie. Anna Christie was MGM's first talkie. Garbo Speaks was the key phrase for the promotional material for the film. And she did indeed speak. In fact, Garbo spoke that famous line that Holly Madison just called back to defend her right to autonomy, or more specifically, her right to wear a pink bunny suit because it makes her feel powerful because she looks good in it. This may seem like a silly thing, wanting to wear an oversexed suit that symbolizes the height of men ogling women, but I disagree. Holly Madison has reappropriated the bunny brand in this moment to reflect her own strength and power. It's that act that Hugh Hefner refuses. In Anna Christie, Garbo says, put that in your pipe and smoke it, to her boyfriend and father at the end of a long and powerful speech about her lot in life and how she has been let down and knocked around by men. Specifically, she is talking about the fact that she was forced into prostitution as a result of her father's abandonment, and when her boyfriend finds out she was turning tricks, he is so disgusted by her that he is going to leave too. I can't think of a better example of how little the lot for women has changed between 1930 and 2006 than the use of that famous line by these two seemingly very different women. Holly eventually left Hugh Hefner and moved to Las Vegas, where she starred in the Las Vegas Review Peep Show and landed her own reality television show called Holly's World. Holly's World only lasted two seasons, but it is a great campy viewing experience. It follows her and her friends in Las Vegas as they live, laugh, love, and so on. It is a great opportunity to see her becoming her own person after having been under the thumb of Playboy for so long. 
After Hugh Hefner's death in 2017, Playboy pretty much was a dead animal. It officially stopped printing the magazine in 2020, but it was on its last legs in the 2010s. Holly's tell-all book, Down the Rabbit Hole, that came out in 2015, shined a pretty bright light on the darkness she experienced at the mansion. It was an interesting book because it wasn't exactly a takedown of Playboy. Her reverence for the brand shined through, and honestly, Playboy still is a big part of her projected image. In the 2020 docuseries, The Secrets of Playboy, Holly is featured on episode two, talking about how Playboy and Hugh Hefner affected her self-image. She tells the story of seeing the Playboy commercials as a child and thinking, quote, I want to look like that. The way she delivers that line in the interview style segment is heart-wrenching. First of all, most women who pose for Playboy and many who don't have similar stories about their first time being exposed to the magazine and the women in it. It is usually a childhood experience that involves wanting to be as beautiful as the women that graced those pages, or in Holly's case, her TV screen. The reason it pulls at the heartstrings is because you see on her face all that she had to go through to achieve that childhood dream. It is also relatable and somehow sweet. There is a joy in discovering this ultra-soft yet hyper-powerful brand of womanhood that Playboy peddled and profited off of. I myself find it irresistibly satiating to experience that kind of beauty personally or as a consumer. But Playboy, for all its softness and glamour, ruined lives. The story of making Linda Lovelace fuck a dog or bringing prostitutes up to the mansion for something Hef and his friends called Pig Night all informed the brand that is Playboy. Hugh Hefner specifically humiliated and degraded decades worth of girls next door in service of men, not women with a reverence for femininity. But Holly took her insecurities and her reverence for beauty and turned it into a deeply held appreciation for Playboy's pictorials, which she herself worked on while at the mansion. Her official job title was Playmate Editor. She was incredibly talented and passionate about her work and the women and girls she worked with. The glamour that Playboy represented penetrated a lot of women's ideas of beauty and power. I think that glamour was so penetrating because it was a well-worn ideal that started in old Hollywood at studios like MGM and then was ushered into the millennium by women like Holly Madison. Notice I didn't say Hugh Hefner, because quite frankly, the women that posed in Playboy eclipse him in the end, just like Garbo eclipses the studio heads at MGM in the imagination of the public more specifically in the imagination of little girls who are dreaming of coming to Hollywood. And as Hugh Hefner would say, thank heaven for little girls. I will announce the topic for season two of window dressing in the coming weeks, along with a detailed description of the episodes to come. Thank you for listening to Window Dressing, Glamour Girl Next Door, MGM to Playboy. I'm Madeline Jane Auble.